deception Well, my friend It's gonna have to be I'm here to tell you about The destruction Of all the evil it will have to end Welcome to this edition of Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford, on the Liberty and Justice Network, Radio LJN. This is Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis, in the second half of the show, we will have my interview that I conducted with Earl Balfour uh, before he died in June 26, 2018. The first half of the show, we will go right into the news. In an article entitled, quote, Five Years After Police Murder of Jamar Clark, Justice Demanded in North Minneapolis by Sam Martinez for Fight Back News, the article says that new and longer-standing members of the Twin Cities Coalition for Justice for Jamar led a rally and march. In addition to the call for justice for Jamar, the article says they made demands to, quote, reopen all the cases against killer cops, free all political prisoners, end quote, including those jailed during the summer uprising, and quote, ban the use of memory-altering drugs and reassess EMT training, specifically addressing the racial biases within it, end quote. It says EMTs must also be held accountable for their role working with police and administering drugs such as ketamine. In a Socialist Alternative article from November 11th entitled Shama Solidarity Campaign Fighting Back Against Right-Wing Recall, it says, quote, Big business and the right wing are furious about the impact of socialist politics in Seattle and are going all out to try to remove Councilmember Shama Sawant from City Hall with a recall campaign, end quote. This comes just months after a grassroots movement won the Amazon tax, which will be used to raise over $200 million a year for green union jobs and permanent affordable housing. From truthout.org, an article from November 16th talks about the graduate employees' organization strike at the University of Michigan. While the article by Charlotte Rosen and Eli B. Lichtenstein says the strike could be seen as a defeat because of the mild list of concessions the workers actually won, it says that their use of industrial action shows a way forward for other graduate workers. It also highlights how their calls to defund campus police, quote, in addition to inextricably linking abolitionist struggles for workers' protections, the strike also offered a more expansive vision of what graduate workers organizing can and should fight for. Mercury News, part of the Bay Area News Group, has on November 13th an article entitled, quote, Young Democratic Socialists, Progressive Candidates Sweep into Office Across Peninsula. It says three candidates in their 20s defeated two incumbents in narrow victories and won open council seats. It says one of these races in, quote, the East Bay, where DSA endorsed Carol Fife, a member of Moms for Housing, a collective of unhoused and insecurely housed mothers in the city, upset a longtime Oakland City Council incumbent with the help of 700 volunteers, end quote. This came just months after she gained national recognition for squatting in an empty West Oakland home in protest of speculation in real estate. And on Common Dreams, they have an article highlighting how the corporate Democrats are blaming their losses on progressives. The article by Norman Solomon on November 16th quotes Rep. Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, who said, quote, Democratic candidates in swing, in swing districts who openly supported progressive policies like Medicare for All and the Green New Deal won their races, end quote. 
The article says that most of the almost 100 members of the Congressional Progressive Caucus are not all that progressive, and so new members representing a real progressive movement like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar are willing to polarize the party to get fundamental change. Solomon says the polarization actually comes from fake progressives trying to, quote, paper over huge issues like not having a public health system and the climate crisis. In a statement from November 13th by Liberation News entitled, quote, Trump and Biden, what's actually happening? They say, quote, Trump is engaging in a giant farce, end quote, but also that it is being used as a huge money-raising tool for both the Democrats and Republicans. It goes on to talk about the, quote, thoroughly imperialist, character of a Biden White House and says that we must all go back to the streets saying, quote, the Democratic Party and the Biden administration must feel the pressure of the multinational working class, end quote. It says we must continue to push to defund police, cancel rents, and push for Medicare for all. Ryan Devereaux writes on The Intercept an article with a subheading, as Biden confronts Trump's immigration legacy, the long shadow of the Obama era creeps in. While the article says that Trump's tangled web of executive orders atop an outdated immigration system may be difficult to undo, it also calls some elements of the Obama-era massive deportations, quote, mistakes, and says that the left is critical of Biden planning to fill his cabinet with many Obama-era figures. Were Obama's immigration policies mistakes, or is that just neoliberalism on display? The article never really says. Jacobin has an article, quote, Joe Biden should absolutely erase student debt via executive order, but then... The article goes on to say that Biden was one of the architects who made declaring bankruptcy from student loan debt very difficult. But the hope comes from organizing, as the article states, quote, progressive groups are already gearing up to fight for debt cancellation once Biden is in office, end quote. Let's hope that is true. World Socialist website says that Boeing will eliminate 7,000 jobs now, bringing the year's total to 30,000 jobs lost. This comes after Boeing got a $17 billion bailout earlier this year. The article says the company will also move production from Connecticut to North Carolina for cheaper labor costs. Fightback News has an article on November 13th entitled COVID Hospitalizations and Death Surge as Economic Crisis Deepens. It says instead of Trump's idea that the pandemic would, quote, fade away, it has instead surged. This comes on top of an economic crisis that, while not as bad as in April, has seen, quote, more than a million new applications for unemployment aid in the week ending November 7th, end quote. They go on to say that the Republicans continue to push austerity and oppose more Fed support to state and local governments and businesses. World Socialist website on November 17th says U.S. food banks and homeless shelters struggle to meet record demand ahead of Thanksgiving, that being the title of the article. While it highlights the concerns around this, the article also highlights creative solutions, including changes to the Equinox Thanksgiving Day community dinner in New York, in which it says, quote, instead of hosting a large event, the organization raised $100,000 to deliver meals directly to the homes of people in need. To accomplish this, the organizers will work, will work with restaurants to purchase and prepare food, enabling them to feed needy people and support local businesses in the process, end quote. The article ends saying, quote, without the intervention of the working class to shut down non-essential production and demand full pay for workers to stay home in order to suppress the pandemic, the need will only grow as the ruling class continues to pursue its murderous herd immunity policy, which has already killed more than 250,000 Americans and pushed millions into poverty. In Defense of Marxism website says in an article entitled, New President Elected as Regime Crisis Shakes Peru, the article says, quote, on Sunday, President Marino was forced to resign by the movement of the masses after having been in office for only five days, having replaced Vizcarra, end quote. 
But it says this is a calculation by the ruling class to appease the masses, but demonstrations in the streets have continued over corruption. These demos have also called for justice for Inti and Jack, who are two victims of repression in recent movements. The article concludes saying, quote, we must patiently explain that corruption is not the cause of the crisis, but only the superficial manifestation of the rottenness of the Peruvian capitalist system, backwards, in crisis, and under imperialist domination. Jackman has an article November 17 saying hundreds are in jail in France in retaliation for the Gillette Jones or Yellow Vest movement there. Many tactics were eventually used by the state to hold back the movement, including, quote, police brutality, mass arrests of thousands, judicial harassment, and illegal tactics, end quote, including the use of laws that let you arrest almost anyone for peaceful demonstration, it says. Now we go to a musical break. In the second half of the show, we have the first part of my interview with Earl Balfour from 2017. Going to the music, the song is Politrix by Dead Prez. The song was released shortly before uh, Obama was elected in 2008, October 2008. You already know what time it is. Time it is. <laughs> Everywhere we go, every day on TV, they be talking about who you gon' vote for. Got a black man running, but I wonder if he get in, who he gon' open up the door for. I don't wanna discourage my folk, I believe in hope, I just want us to want more. Politics is a game, how they keep us contained, it gotta be more than we can hope for. Democrats and Republicans, just two sides of the same coin. Either way, it's still white power, it's the same system, just change form. You wanna vote? Please do. Cash your ballot, let your voice be heard. But what I do wanna say is after the election, you'll see, mark my word. It's politics time again It's politics time again It's politics time again this is the most important election of all times The government committing the bigots of all crimes These bullshit politicians say they speaking for the people Before they ran for office they were cheating all the people Billion dollar campaign, trillion dollar bailout Anybody know the definition of a sellout? And if Obama win he wouldn't be the first black Take your two dollar bill and turn it over to the back Right there. But with the TV on, you only hearing day voice. The system is broken, they trying to be the dead horse. Go ahead and vote for the lesser of two evils. I plot, plan, and strategize with the poor people. The middle class will say this opinion is irresponsible. If you ain't got no health care, they're kicking you out the hospital. McKinney Clemente off in the Green Party. No disrespect, we need a red, black, and green party. Like Marcus Garvey. It's politics time again. It's politics time again. It's politics time again. It's politics time again. Even if Obama Uncle Sam ain't my friend. It's politics time again. Yeah, yeah, President, information age, you already know what time it is, it ain't about the lesser of two evils, it's all power to the people, it's politics The time is on the side of the oppressed, today, it's against the oppressor, and truth is on the side of the oppressed today, it's against the oppressor, you'll see it, you'll see terrorism that will terrify you. 
Balfour died in 2018. I spoke to him the year before his death at his home. For many, including myself, Earl was a fixture at Mayday Books in Minneapolis for many years. On Socialist News and Views, we let people introduce themselves, so I did the same with Earl. Hello, my name is Earl Balfour. I'm retired now since 2001 or two, and uh, volunteer at Mayday Books as I have for about 30, 40 years. And uh, after going through various leftist groups and crackpot sects and so forth, and uh, ended up as sort of a, I guess I kind of burned out right now. And because uh, I can hardly get around anymore, and it's really kind of frustrating, but do what I can, you know, use my economic resources to help where I can. So. I asked Earl how he first got involved in activism. Class, class. Distinctions were a lot clearer in the 30s and 40s because they had a strong union movement and uh, a lot of social protests going on. Now, I was across the street from a uh, machine tool factory, which was organized by the uh, UAW, and they'd go on strike periodically. I could look out my bedroom window and see mass picketing and cars getting tipped over and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. It was a little kid, it was pretty exciting, you know. <laughs> And uh, so the company had this speaker system set up urging the, the workers to come through the picket lines and, and come back to work. So the UAW had a sound truck that they used to drown out the, uh, the company's sound system. They used to do it by playing the Rain Rain Polka over and over again. Those some times for a kid. But uh, my dad was sort of a, he was always a pretty strong union guy. And... Uh, but for some reason or other, you know, it's a question that a lot of leftists ask. What was it that turned you to, you know, take that, that final step, you know, and can we reproduce it? <laughs> that basically is what we're saying. Sure. Right, good luck with that. So, um, I don't know, it's a, I read a lot when I was a kid, like Steinbeck and uh, stuff like that, John Despossos, which basically dealt with uh, the inequities of capitalism. Although they may not have stated it quite that plainly. But uh, my first actual demonstration, political demonstration, was a uh, ban the bomb demonstration back in the 50s, organized by the CP and Norman Thomas from the SP. And uh, it quickly fell apart, of course. Rule said once the Soviet Union got the bomb, many of these groups were no longer interested in ban the bomb demonstrations. So, but that was my introduction first to a, a political... And I often wonder why I went to that. And uh, I, don't, I don't have any clear answers. It's just, I guess a question of fairness. And um, 
and after reading uh, all these in dubious battle and all, all these Steinbeck books and so forth, the lines are drawn pretty clearly. There's the good guys and the bad guys. So you kind of drifted along for a while. You probably heard about my incident as a bellboy. At this point, Earl hands me a book that has a story about him as a bellboy pulling a stunt on a senator who never tipped the staff. By stopping the elevator slightly above his floor when the senator was drunk, they would exact their revenge by having him land flat on his face. As he was going down, it reads, they would say, watch your steps, sir. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I wasn't aware of, it, uh, of the, uh, the class nature of that until later. This just seems sort of instinctive. And um, this Hartford Club, I had a lot of vagrants for waiters and dishwashers and shit, so you got exposed to quite an element as a billboy. Sure. And um, at the time, the CP was somewhat active in Hartford. Like they used to come around to the trade school and pass out papers. And uh, of course, the administration would run out and chase them away. But, but we got the CP paper. You know, that was hot shit. It was like pornography, you know. And uh, holy shit, you don't go up on the roof and. Yeah. And, uh, and you read the thing and you say, what's the fucking problem here? These guys are organizing soup kitchens, <laughs> strikes, you know, and so forth and so on. It seems like the right thing to do, and if they're being chastised, of course. So you develop sort of this different understanding that this mortal enemy to democracy and you know, all that shit. They were actually doing doing good work. So I uh, I read a lot, but I, I never had any contact with any organizations, so to speak, traditional organizations. And I moved to Denver, and I was up in the mountains one time in an antique store, second-hand store, and I found a bunch of Socialist Labor Party pamphlets. You know, and they were relatively cheap, five, ten cents a piece. And uh, so I bought a whole bunch of them for some reason, and I'm reading them, and I'm saying, holy shit, this crystallizes everything I've been thinking. Mm -hmm. you know, so what year would that have been? Approximately. Early 60s. Okay. And uh, so I contacted the SLP, no, they, they're known as what's called a third camp. Curses on capitalism, curses on the Soviet Union. So they, they had this interview position, they were responsible for anything, but they didn't do anything either, So, which is, which is an easy organization to be in if you don't extend yourself. So yeah. anyway... Harder to get burned out if you don't do anything, right? <laughs> so meanwhile, the anti-war movement is cooking along. And, um, I was living over in the West Bank here in, in Minneapolis at the time with, a, with another commie. And uh, we were kind of looking at this saying, you know, we should be participating in this. Now the SLP position was that these people are against the war. They should be against capitalism, so they're wasting their time being against the mm -hmm. war and so forth. So they should be attacking the root cause of war. Well, that, that sounds good when you're sitting around in a bar. Yeah. This shit. But these people were out on the streets protesting the war. So we decided we were going to go to a demonstration one day. And uh, we were older at the time than most of the two college kids, so we were going to masquerade as Abraham Lincoln Brigade members. <laughs> Which was stupid in us. <laughs> we finally gave that up as an impossible scheme. And anyway, we became involved in the SWP and eventually uh, got drawn into that. And 
spent, I don't know, about seven years there, which was uh, really a good education. And the education we got from the SLP was even more valuable, I think, because they were big, big-time studiers of uh, Marx, Engels, Talian, the classics, origin of family, private property, the state, all that stuff, the foundations of, of socialism and communism. So they constantly had these study classes, which, which was good. But here again, they didn't do anything. So they used to, we used to call it eating your way to revolution because we had a big dinner once a month, fundraiser. <laughs> anyway, and then uh, once in the SLP, you get a whole different view of things. You become part of a larger organization in the 60s. It was big. Organizing uh, conferences and big demonstrations, mass demonstrations for the first time in a long time in this country since the 30s. And it was all pretty exciting. So I got drawn into it there. And then eventually the anti-war movement collapsed. And um, the folly of those previous years became apparent because the SLP or the SWP had recruited women against the war, gays against the war, blacks against the war, everybody, you know, identity politics shit. And <laughs> instead of recruiting to socialism, they recruited these. They all left because the war was over. So they were left with your core group again after all this goddamn effort. So their, their response to this was what I call polyvanguardism. Now, their idea was that gays, blacks, and other oppressed minorities are going to unite against the capitalist system over the backs of the white working class who was reactionary. Well, being in the white working class, I didn't quite see it that way. <laughs> Anyway, I, I was asked to finally leave, and I did, and went through a series of uh, crackpot sex, class struggle league, and Vanguard newsletter, and all sorts of these proto-Vanguard parties with seven members, you know, and <laughs> putting out a newspaper that nobody ever read. So, <laughs> but uh, then I finally ended up at Mayday Books, and there, there we go. of Socialist News and Views with host Nick Schillingford on the Liberty and Justice Network, Radio LJN.